0: today we're going to talk about tongues. Again, this came up again on Instagram, uh, because somebody again was posting about, um, tongues and, uh, I just found it to be interesting because once again, somebody grabbed a a, a verse and they grabbed first Corinthians 14, two to hang their hat on tongues, the spiritual gift of tongues. Now, uh, I'm going to wrestle stuff today, and it's going to make some people a little upset. It's going to make some people uncomfortable, and that's okay. Here's the deal. The whole idea behind Bible Study Live is to create conversation uh, without condemnation, all right? Uh, if, if we're truly trying to follow Jesus, our goal should be to, to build up the kingdom of God and uh, invite you know invite people in, right? That being said, uh, we're not going to agree on everything, but we're not going to argue about it. I'm going to share this from my perspective, what I believe from the study that I've engaged in. And I'm going to wrestle with some stuff that might make people uncomfortable or even upset. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I think that's okay because I think in discomfort, it causes us to go and study further. Uh, so oof, so we're going to dig in on the gift of tongues. Now, I want to share with you the verse that was shared because there was an Instagram video that said like, you won't believe this, science proves that speaking in tongues is real and uh the whole video was annoying to be honest uh but then somebody uh, had commented on there for he that speaketh in an unknown language speaketh not unto men but unto god for no man understandeth him. Howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries first corinthians 14 2 king james a couple things that we're going to touch on today we're going to look at first corinthians in its entirety, First Corinthians chapter two. So we can look at text and context. Uh, the other thing is we're going to look at Acts chapter two. Let's look at where this whole tongues movement comes from. And number three, can I just point out the King James? There are so many better translations now, and I don't mean because of the He saith, you know, Middle Earth language of the Hobbits. That's not the part that I have a problem with. The reality is they found older manuscripts that are more accurate than the one that is used in the King James. So it is actually thought to be out of, uh, com- compared to like the NLT, NIV, uh, NET, uh, CSB, the King James is actually widely considered to be um, a less reliable translation. So it's interesting how often people that talk about tongues are, are pointing, referencing to the, the Middle Earth stuff in, um, I say Middle Earth, like the Hobbit, sorry. This one just gets me spun out. And here's why, because I know that the gift of tongues is a real spiritual gift, but I think the way that often churches use it, or should I say misuse it, um, leads people to believe that there's something broken about them, uh, because they don't babble and roll around on the floor like a weirdo. And so, um, I'm going to share with you some personal experience and, uh, and we're going to read scripture. So <clears throat> close friend of ours, who I love very much, by the way, I won't even say what city we were in or any of that, but we were having a uh, dinner with. Some close friends and and one of them, you know, we the conversation in tongues came up, and I said, "Look, here's the deal. I think it's crystal clear in the scriptures that uh, tongues in the public setting is something used to bridge a language barrier. I think we see that in Acts chapter two, which I'm about to read in a minute. And I said, um, so theologically, I do not see a good argument for the the humana 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 ba 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 stuff. Don't see it. I, some of the best Bible teachers in the world that believe in it, that I, that I love to death, uh, share all the reasons why they believe it, yet none of them do I believe theologically uh, bring a sound argument for the blah, 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 be in public. Now, that being said, I'm gonna start this off in, in a way that, you know, some people can gonna get ticked, but, but I also wanna affirm something about that uh, noise making that people call tongues. In a private setting, I don't think there's anything anti-biblical about if somebody's like praying to God and they're like ba 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 ba. Look, it's no different than if you're humming a song. You know, my grandmother, she would walk around and and she'd be praying and she'd be whistling a tune. Um sometimes I'll be praying and I'm just like humming a worship song when I'm praying because it helps me engage with God. So I believe like if you've been taught, you know, that there's this private prayer language of yours, you know, this uh, Uh, you know of making a noise or a a, a repetitious sound uh maybe you've been taught that and maybe it helps you connect with god god bless you that cool that's you it's private it's you're in prayer and you're alone and that's i want to just affirm that that that, that's a there's nothing wrong with that i might think it's weird but it doesn't mean it's weird just means weird to me right so that's totally fine so that's not what we're going to wrestle with today is how you privately connect with god but on that note If God is all-knowing, all-seeing, God understands everything because God is the creator of all things, he doesn't need you to babble in order to understand you. He doesn't need you to speak some angel language to have a conversation with you. He actually doesn't need you to speak at all, right? Uh, The scriptures talk about, you know, when we don't know the words, the Holy Spirit intercedes with groanings, right? That doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that. There's nothing scripturally that says that at all. What it means is, and I, I've heard uh, some folks elaborate on this that are far more educated than me, but that when we don't know how to pray and the Spirit intercedes for us, uh, you know, that it's like, think about when you don't know what to pray. What do you do? <sighs> you don't have the words, but Holy Spirit is inside you. God is inside you. God knows what you need. What God doesn't need is you to make up some language. God doesn't need you to say anything. The point in that piece of scripture talking about the spirit interceding with with sighs and groaning isn't to to make some super special language that nobody understands out of it. It's not what it means at all. What it means is God doesn't need words to know what you need. And so today, though, we are going to dig into... Couple passages. We're gonna look at Acts chapter two and we're gonna look at First Corinthians uh, chapter two. And we're gonna wrestle with this whole tonguesy tonguerton stuff. So here we go. Acts chapter two. Now, when the day of Pentecost, and I'm reading from the New English translation, by the way. Whatever you're reading from, groovy. Uh, now, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly it sounded like a violent wind blowing it came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting and tongues spread out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest in each one of them all of them were filled with the holy spirit and they began to speak in other languages some translations say tongues oh the greek term "glossias" is the same word used for tongues of fire or other languages these listen to this this, Acts 2, 6 through 7 indicates that these languages were understandable to the hearers, a diverse group from every nation under heaven. Okay, so they began to speak in real languages that people could understand, not babbles. Okay, I, I digress. Uh, Begin to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Let's just look at what this footnote is, the Greek, or as the Spirit gave them to utter. meaning, meaning. These people did not speak these languages normally, but because of the power of the Spirit, as they were communicating, they they were communicating in languages that that were foreign to them, or meaning that the people hearing them, while they normally would not understand the language being spoken by them, they were able to hear these utterances in their native tongue, right? It's one of those two things. But let's continue, verse 5. Now, there were devout Jews, uh, let me just click on this, devout men Jews devout men okay uh, it's possible that only men were there it says okay there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven residing in Jerusalem when this sound occurred a crowd gathered and was in confusion now pause were they in confusion because of the babbling oh no wait why were they in confusion because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language completely baffled they said aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, or Cretans, as Gordon. And Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own languages about what? About the great deeds God has done. All were astounded and greatly confused, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others jeered, saying, oh, they're drunk on new wine but peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed them you men of Judea and all of you who live in jerusalem know this and carefully listen to what i say in spite of what you think these men are not drunk for it's only nine o'clock in the morning but this is what was spoken about through the prophet joel and in the last days it will be god says i will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy.'" Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirits and they will prophesy and perform wonders in the sky above. And miraculous signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and, uh, and clouds of smoke. Sun will be changed to darkness, moon to blood, before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And then everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Ah, then he continues to talk about the awesomeness of Jesus. Let's pause here on this because A lot of the tongues, theology, comes from this. Look, they're speaking in all these unknown languages. No, not true. What we read right here in the scriptures, the holy inspired scriptures, the scriptures that Luke has written, that God's Holy Spirit inspired him to write. What we learn from this is that what was being said Okay, what was being said, they were talking about the great deeds that God has done, verse 11. But all of these people could hear it in their own language. So, first thing we learn about this, first thing we learn about this, first thing we learn about this, is that what the purpose of this public use of tongues was to bridge a language gap, was to make sure that everyone could hear the word of God. That everyone could. Why Peter says, this is what's spoken about through the prophet Joel. And what was it? If you look at verse 21, uh, and then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It was so that everyone could hear the miraculous deeds of God, right? That was the purpose of what took place in Acts chapter 2. Now, I've shared this before, but I I had an awesome encounter with a pastor in Michigan who had a tongues moment hiking through the mountains. I want to say it was in South America somewhere. Hiking through the mountains with this guy, they're having a great conversation about God and the beauty of His creation, all these amazing things that God has done. And they get to the mountaintop, and the guy says to uh, it was Jeff Mannion from Ada Bible Church, and I'm uh, I'm going to paraphrase here because I don't know the really exact words. But basically, the guy had said to him, "It was cool," or, or Jeff had said to the guy, Pastor Jeff had said to the guy, uh, "Man, it's so cool to uh, to meet somebody down here who speaks such good English." And the guy said to him. I don't speak any English. I thought it was great that an American spoke such good Portuguese or whatever the language was that the guy spoke. And it was like in that moment, he realized like, whoa, look at what God is doing in this moment. He was, a, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, he was, he was Jeff Manning. He was having this conversation with this guy about God. And the guy was hearing it in his own language. And as this guy was responding, Jeff was hearing it in his own language. See, that sounds a whole lot like what we see in Acts chapter 2, doesn't it? It's pretty fascinating. And that was a real-world encounter that seems to mirror Acts chapter 2. But that is not the only way that tongues is talked about. And so I have respect for that. Let's continue because, oh, man, because I'm just going to tell you, there's so much, there are so many people that have, uh, and weighed down or experienced church hurt over this debate over the tongues. A close friend of ours, we were, we were having dinner with, or I started to tell the story and then I got sidetracked because our plumber called. Um, so we were having dinner with some friends, lunch with some friends after church one day uh, a few years ago. And we were having this dialogue about tongues and I said, you know, theologically, here's what we see in Acts all this, this stuff, Corinthians. And I said, uh, I don't see anything theologically that says that, um, in, especially in a public setting, uh, but I, I don't really see any theological evidence in a private setting for something like that's babbling and, and you know, uh, I don't know, the beady beady bops. I just, uh, I, I see no biblical justification for it at all in any way, shape, or form. And I said, uh, that being said, what people do in private and how they pray, there's nothing anti-biblical of that either. If it helps you connect with God to make n- noises and utterances, God bless you. And one of our friends responded to me and said this, and this is where this goes today. Keep praying and asking for that gift, and God will give it to you. I'm like, why why would I want to, like, I can already make the noises you make. Why would I pray and ask God to give me a whole bunch of noises that no one understands, including me? God doesn't need me to make weird noises to hear me or communicate with me. So it didn't make sense. But it it's almost like this church shaming. If you don't if you do not do this, you don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? But let's look at what Paul says because Paul gets into this in Corinthians. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians uh, 14, uh, not chapter 2, sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Uh, verse 2 is the one the person quoted on the gram. And so we're going to dig into this right now. So here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Pursue love and be eager for the spiritual gifts especially that you may prophesy. For the one speaking in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Pause. The one speaking in a tongue does not speak to uh, people, but to God. For no one understands. He's speaking mysteries in the spirit. What does that mean? Oh, we're speaking mysteries with the spirit. Now, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening encouragement, and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. Let's see what this says. Builds himself up, does not necessarily bear positive connotation in this context. Let's look at what's strengthening, right? The one who speaks prophecy speaks to people for their edification, for their strengthening. The one who speaks in tongues builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds the church up. I wish y'all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may be strengthened. Let's pause right there first. So let's break this down. First things first, Paul says, look, pursue love, okay? So we're supposed to chase after love, we're supposed to be eager for spiritual gifts. What does eager mean? Let's just look up dictionary.com. Let's see what eager, which we all know what it. I just want to look up the exact definition because I don't want anybody saying, oh, you're doing this. Eager, keen or ardent in desire or feeling, impatiently longing, okay, uh, characterized by or revealing great earnest. I'm eager for news, like basically like patiently like or excitedly waiting. So Paul says, chase after love and be excitedly waiting for spiritual gifts to come. Doesn't, he doesn't say practice them. He doesn't say chase them. He says, be eager. Wait, wait excitedly for spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Okay? And why? He says, for the one who's speaking in a tongue doesn't speak to people but speaks to God, for no one understands. He's speaking mysteries in spirit. Paul is trying to give some encouragement here. Look, when you're praying in private, and you're making these noises that you feel are helping you connect with God. Good on you. Good on you. Right? It's a mystery what you're doing here. But hey, you're talking to God. No one else needs to understand this. See, no one understands. They speak of mysteries in spirit. Later we're going to see him go, and you're not supposed to do that in public. Right? And I'll get to it. It says, but the one who prophesies speaks To people for their strengthening encouragement and consolation the one who speaks in tongues builds himself up as the net translator points out not necessarily a positive connotation i've heard it taught well see they're 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 building themselves up speaking in tongues builds and strengthens you in your relationship with god that is not necessarily what that means and according to the translators It says it's not necessarily positive. It could be viewed as the one who's speaking in tongues is doing it selfishly to build themselves up, to make themselves feel more spiritual, while the one who prophecies is focused on building up the church. Then Paul says, look, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more, that you'd prophesy. Like, hey, I, I want you all to have an intimate connection with God, but more so, I want you to help strengthen the church. Because the one prophecies, Paul says, is greater than the one that speaks in tongues. Unless he interprets so that the church may be strengthened. So Paul's saying, basically, thus far, look, tongues is a you thing. You're doing it to build you up. And unless you know what you're actually saying, unless you actually can speak it in a way the whole church could understand it, it's not that great of a deal. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not something, like, big deal. Now, Let's continue. Verse six. Paul says this. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I help you? Unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. It's similar for lifeless things that make a sound like a flute or harp. Unless they make a distinction in the notes, how can what's played on the flute, or heart be understood. If, for example, the trumpet makes an unclear sound, who will get ready for battle? Now, let me pause on that. There's a specific way a trumpet would be sounded to say, it is time to go to battle. Everyone would understand the, the sound of that horn. They would know, this is the sound that means we move. And Paul is saying it's similar to that. He's saying, look, if you're making a bunch of noise, that's unclear who's going to get ready for battle. Who's going to join you in this if they can't understand what you're saying? It, verse 9, it's the same for you. If you do not speak clearly with your tongue, how will anyone know what's being said? For you will be speaking into the air. Now check this out. There are probably many kinds of languages in the world, and none is without meaning. Okay, what does that mean? It should be common sense, but here's the deal. There's a whole bunch of different languages. We don't always know all of them, but here's the deal. Every, every language has value. If then I do not know the meaning of a language, I'll be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So for example, if I don't speak uh, Hindi and I go to India, I'm, I'm a foreigner to the people speaking Hindi. And they're foreigners to me. We can't understand each other if we don't speak each other's language, right? And Paul says, verse 12, it's the same with you. Since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, seek to abound in order to strengthen the church. So Paul says, look, it's the same with you. If you don't know what you're saying, then you're not saying anything. Because no, if, if nobody in the room understands it, you're just talking into the air. If you were walking around, if you're just doing that, you're making noise into the air, no one in the church can understand it. No one is edified by this. The church is not strengthened. You may be strengthening yourself. Okay? You may be strengthening yourself. But even according to the translators, doing that, especially in a public setting, doing it alone even, it says it's not necessarily a good thing. So do it that way. Not necessarily what that phrase that builds himself up doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something good. It could also mean you're self-focused, you're doing it for you. Now there's nothing wrong with wanting your relationship to be stronger with God. Actually, that is a good thing. But it's am I building myself up? Like, am I trying to make myself be more spiritual? Is that why I'm doing it? Because I was told that if I have the gift of the Holy Ghost that I'm going to be able to talk in this special language. So I've got to to prove that I'm worthy. I've got to prove that i got the Holy Ghost gift. If that's what you're doing, it's not a good thing. But if you're just in your private prayer time with God and it turns into you making noises and you don't even know why you're making them, but you feel like you're connecting with God, then that's not a bad thing, right? But for those that try and grab onto this and act like Paul is encouraging some babbling, Paul is very clear in verses 13 through 19. But that is not the case. So then, oh, wait, 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 we're still up in verse 8. If the trumpet makes an unclear sound, who will get ready for battle? It's the same for you. If you don't speak clearly with your tongue, how will anyone know what is being said? You will be speaking in the air. Verse 10, there are probably many kind of languages in the world. None without me, is without meaning. If then, I don't know the meaning of a language. I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. It's the same with you. Since you're eager for manifestations of the spirit, spirit, seek to abound in order to strengthen the church. Look, if you want spirit, if you're begging God for spiritual gifts, right? If If you're eagerly awaiting them and you're praying and you're asking for them, why would you be asking for one that doesn't help the church as a whole? It seems like Paul is saying, hey, look, if you're eager and anxiously awaiting the manifestation of the spirit, then seek to have the Spirit manifest something in you that can bring edification to the church. Ask God to give you the gift of prophecy. Ask God to give you the gift of intercession. Ask God to give you the gift of healing. Something that could benefit somebody but beside yourself. Verse 13. <clears throat> so then, one who speaks in tongue, in a tongue, should pray that he may interpret. Interesting. He doesn't say I pray that somebody else will. It actually says so then one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. Notice this, when Peter, when, when they stood up in Acts chapter 2 and they were speaking, they were, people were hearing it in their own language. So was that interpretation taking place while speaking in tongues? I don't know, maybe, who knows. But what we do know is this, if you're going to speak in a tongue, you should pray that you can interpret what you're saying. You should, basically, you should be able to know what you're saying. Right? When I hear people, I don't know what I'm saying, but, I'm just praying in the angel language. Eh. According to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 13, one who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret. Paul says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive, what should I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind. Oh, interesting. See, Paul doesn't equate praying in tongue with being only in the spirit, right? Paul's saying, you could pray in the spirit in a tongue, but if you're doing that, you, you're, you're shutting your mind off. You're just trying to, la, mm, la, 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 God, right? He goes, so what, what should I do? Let's look at what, what this little footnote G says. What then is it? Paul says, I'll pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my mind. I will sing praises, with my spirit but I will also sing praises with my mind otherwise if you're praising God with your spirit how can someone without the gift now this is an interesting thing because it says how can someone who fills the place of the unlearned unlearned okay I want to pause on this <clears throat> if you're praising God with your spirit because people will say well this is a spiritual gift this babbling is a spiritual gift this and, and no i was going to say forgive me if it sounds harsh to say babbling this noise making this unintelligible uninterpretable language that you're saying okay god, paul is, is is trying to give credit here it seems like he's trying to be an encourager still and he said look if you're praising god with your spirit how can somebody if you're uh, if you look at this like this is a spiritual gift of tongues that i have this gift of the super angel language paul's going okay well if you're praising God with your spirit, how can somebody without that gift say amen to your thanksgiving, since he doesn't know what you're saying? Like, okay, if this is a God thing, and it's a prayer, and it's supposed to be out here in public, right? And we're supposed to be doing this with everybody. If it's truly from God, and you're truly doing this, if, if you're choosing to just do it in your spirit, how can somebody who doesn't have that gifting even be in agreement with you? And then how does that align with, you know, let's think about this for a minute, folks, when two or more are gathered, right? Like we come together, prayers, like there's, there's a power in, in praying together. But if somebody doesn't know what you're saying, how can they even say amen? Paul says. Verse 17, for you are certainly giving thanks. You're certainly giving thanks well. Like you're certainly going for it. What, what, but the other person is not strengthened. If they're not strengthened, what happens? If you're not stronger, if you're not getting stronger, you're getting weaker. See, if somebody else doesn't know what you're saying, if you're not strengthening them, you're if you're out there speaking tongues in public and making all kinds of noise, if it doesn't strengthen the body, what's it do to the body? Somebody who doesn't understand you, what do you think is going through their head? Man, am I not spiritual enough? Do I not have the Holy Ghost? Continue. Verse 18, I love that Paul says this. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Now, I've had people pause on that. but It's like, bruh, that's not even the entire sentence. Let's continue. But in the church, I want to speak five words with my mind to instruct others rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. See, Paul is even giving the benefit of the doubt and love to go, look, let's just say you're right about this. Angel language. Let's just say you're right. It seems like Paul's like going, let's just, let's just say you're right, it's real. What you're doing is a gift. Yeah. He goes, you know what? I'd rather say five words of instruction that help everybody than 10,000 that do nothing. Oof, oof, oof. If this, is, this should be convicting for something. We can't pick and choose stuff out of the scripture that makes us, uh, if it makes us uncomfortable, we still have to wrestle with it. I get very uncomfortable with a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff that's convicting to me. This is one, though, my brothers and sisters in the faith, some of y'all need to read these words. But in the church, I want to speak five words with my mind to instruct others rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, verse 20, do not be children in your thinking Instead, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. It is written in the law by people with strange tongues and lips of strangers, I will speak to this people yet. Not even in this way will they listen to me. What? What? That's from Isaiah. So, what could that possibly mean? Because I hear somebody right now back there. See, he, by speaking tongues to my people. Acts chapter 2, right? In Acts chapter two, in the book of Acts, right, which is basically Luke part two, we see this gifting happen where these men of God were speaking and people were hearing it in their own language. They were strangers. They're speaking in the lips of strangers as prophesied about in Isaiah. Yet, even though that happened, people wouldn't listen like the ones that said, hey, they're drunk. Again, this isn't about babbling or making weird noises. Paul quotes Isaiah. I can speak in other languages here. People will speak in strange tongues, foreign tongues. And, and I'll, I'll do that and speak to people. And still, they will not listen, says the Lord. So then what? Here's the one I want to sh- just, oh, come on, come on. Grab this with me. So then what? Tongues are a sign not for, not for believers, but for unbelievers. What? Let me say that again. Wait, let Paul say that to you again. So then tongues are not a sign. Excuse me. So then tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. A believer doesn't need someone to bibbidi-babbidi-bob. They don't need someone to speak in a language. They don't need it. It is a sign for unbelievers. Well, this would make sense considering the dialogue that Pastor Manion had with a guy in South America as he was talking to him about God and the beauty of what God's doing. And this guy is hearing and understanding. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily know where that guy was at spiritually. Maybe God did bridge two believers together. But what we see in Acts chapter 2 is a whole bunch of people that are being preached to, and then they repent and be baptized with see uh, thousands in that day that were unbelievers become believers right they were believers in something but not the true one god yahweh and uh the son of god jesus so paul chapter 22 so then tongues are not a sign for believers but for unbelievers why would that be for unbelievers because it would help them see a miracle of god and come to believe I mean, it seems like it's pretty straightforward here. You got to do a lot of theological gymnastics to turn this into something other than that. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but believers. So if the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and unbelievers or uninformed people enter, they will not say that, will they not say that you have lost your minds? What? So Paul's saying, if somebody walks in your church and there's a whole bunch of the humming, 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 going on, aren't they gonna think you're nuts? But if all prophecy in an unbeliever or uninformed person enters, he will be convicted by all. He will be called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And in this way, he will fall down with his face to the ground and worship God, declaring God is really among you Mm. Mm. so paul says look if you do all this noisy noise making and somebody walks in if it's not really a tongue gift from god right if you're doing your your angelic tongue that's really a you thing which is fine and good it's okay for you on your own by yourself if it if it if something that you feel connects you to God, God bless you. Paul's saying, look, but God doesn't need it, so it's not necessarily a good thing. It's really, you're doing it for self-edification. You're not doing it for somebody else. But he says, look, secrets of the heart are disclosed. If, if, if the whole church, if people have the gift of prophecy, if somebody walks in and it's like, hey, this God is saying this, if it's really a gift, this person's going to be like, oh, my gosh, how could you have known that? Like, oh, my life was changed. Kind of reminds me of that little section um, where, and Jesus knows everything, obviously, but but he was still fully man on earth. And like uh, when he encounters Nathaniel and he's like, ah, oh, there's a man, you know, there's not an ounce of deceit in him. And he's like, how do you know me? He's like, I saw you under the fig tree. And it's like, oh, I believe you truly are the son of God. Like, it's like, wow. Man, I wish there was so much more in there that we knew what was happening under the fig tree. Like, because Jesus obviously spoke a prophetic word into Nathaniel's life in that moment where he was like, Oh wow, you do know me. It's so beautiful. Anyways, verse 26. And this is where we, we we're gonna land the plane in this last part. What should you do then, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each one has a song, has a lesson, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. Let all these things be done for the strengthening of the church. Now, earlier Paul said, if you're speaking in a tongue nobody can understand, then it is for self-edification. It is not strengthening the church. So Paul said, look, if you've got this, then have this. If somebody, if you feel like, oh, God's telling you to speak in a language that you don't understand, then you better be able to communicate it, what it means, or somebody else there better. If someone speaks in a tongue, verse 27, it should be two or three at most, one after the other, and someone must interpret. I mean, there's got to be somebody there that can hear it in their language been part of churches before where like you know there's a prayer microphone and people are getting up and they're walking around and they're they're doing all the noises and they're they're doing all the things and and i don't question that their heart desires to draw close to god but i can tell you there's more or two or three and not a person in the room knew what the heck they were saying this is 100 anti-biblical in that case this is not extra biblical this isn't you praying alone this isn't you in your alone time with god Paul flat out says, if somebody speaks in a tongue, in a language, right? If somebody's able to do this, two or three people at most should be doing this, right? Because it shouldn't be a distraction in the church. And somebody there has to actually know what they're saying. But if there's no interpreter, verse 28, he should be silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and God. Meaning God can hear you without you opening your mouth. If nobody there knows what you're saying, you're not supposed to be babbling. I know this is going to make some people upset with me. I'm sure I'll probably get some text messages or some comments on here that are unsavory. Don't get mad at me. I'm just reading Paul's words. But if there's no interpreter, he should be silent in the church. Let him speak to himself and to God. I love you, brothers and sisters. This acting like somebody doesn't have the gift of the Holy Ghost because they don't babble. This normalization of running around, uh, doing laps around the church, making noises like a chicken with its head cut off is not biblical. And it's not just extra biblical. According to Paul's words, if you put weight in them, it is anti-biblical. Verse 29, two or three prophets should speak and others should evaluate what's said. If someone sitting down receives a revelation, person who's speaking should conclude. There we go. You know what? We're just going to end there. Here's the deal. I love you. I don't care if you have a private prayer time where you make a bunch of noise. That's cool. Uh, One sec. I'm just wrapping up my Bible study live. That's, that's, yep, cool. Uh, Anyways, our plumber's here. So I'm going to wrap up this Bible study live, but here's the deal. If this is something you've ever felt shamed about, Uh, felt like it's something like, oh, I don't have a spiritual gift because I don't do this, so I must not be spiritual. Can I encourage you? Uh, God understands what's in your heart and he doesn't need you to babble in any kind of weird language. If God wants you to have the gift of tongues, he's going to empower you with it and somebody's going to know what you're saying. I encourage you to get in your Bible, wrestle with this stuff. God loves you. and He wants to give you gifts that he knows will edify the church and bring glory to him. Get in the word wrestle with this stuff. Love y'all. See you tomorrow.